نسازو نبازو نفوجو نفرش خداوند بخشندش عرش جہاں پاک زبرست ظاہر ظہور اوزامی دہو ہم چاظر حضور عطا بخش و پاک پرور دگار رحیم استروزی دہو ہر دیار کے صاحب دیارست آزم عظیم کے حسن جمالست رازق رحیم کے صاحب شعر است آجز نواز غریب الپرست و گنی ملگداز نہ سازو نہ بازو نہ فوجو نہ فرش نہ سازو نہ بازو نہ فوجو نہ فرش In the last episode we covered the second battle of Chamkor. To recap, the Mughal forces had chased the Guru and a handful of his Sikhs into the town. The Sikhs prepared for their attack in a Haveli and put up a valiant fight against a numerically superior army. Ultimately, however, the Haveli was taken and most of the Sikhs attained Shahidi or martyrdom. Guru Gobind Singh was forced to escape along with three of his Sikhs, Pai Daya Singh, Pai Dharam Singh, and Pai Man Singh, and they were making their way to Malwa, though all of them were traveling independently to avoid detection. We rejoined the Guru and his three remaining Sikhs here, as they have just passed the Mughal camp surrounding the city of Chamkor. It had only been a few hours since Guru Gobind Singh had left Chamkor. Darkness surrounded him as he tread the thorny ground bereft of shoes. By the time day broke, he had only been able to cover eight or nine miles. The area the Guru was walking through was a jagir of the Mughals, which meant that traveling openly in the day could be dangerous. After a while, the Guru found himself in an area that was filled with the Bair tree. A medium-sized tree that is common in the arid regions of India. It had been over 36 hours since he had eaten. His feet were covered in thorns, and the endless walking had also caused some blisters. The soldier of Dharma then decides to make a meal of the sweet and sour fruit that surrounded him much as Sri Ramchandra of Ayodhya had done many eons ago, as he too had to make the forest his home. Finally, his hunger satiated, the king of Anandpur cleared some spruce on the forest floor, made himself a bed of leaves, and lay down to rest. A little bit of cultural knowledge helps us understand the powerful impact this image would have had in 18th century India. The two founding mythical epics of the region, the Ramayana and the Mahabharata, involve the exile of righteous kings. 
In the first of those epics, the Ramayan, the protagonist Rama is exiled and then has his wife kidnapped. During his search for his disappeared wife, he is invited for a meal of the bear fruit by Mata Shabri, a humble and pure low-status woman who resides in a forest ashram, and he accepts the offer. In the second of the epics, the Mahabharat, the righteous Pandavas are exiled to the forest by their power-hungry cousins. While the bear fruit does not make a prominent appearance, the theme of the reincarnating protector of dharma is introduced within the epic. Thus, this image of Guru Sahib in the forest of Machiwara, making his bed on the forest floor after eating the bear fruit, is a bridging of a giant chasm between history and myth. For the people born immersed in these myths, it is just as iconic as the image of Moses in front of a burning bush, or the parting of the Red Sea, is to a Western audience. He evokes the highest ideals of self-sacrifice, humility, and duty from the old myths, while directing these qualities at the creation of a distinctly new and more egalitarian social order. Chamkor and its surrounding areas were ruled from the Mughal court of Sirhind. The Sirhind court began to hunt for the Guru and his family and announced that anyone providing support to the Guru or his family would be severely punished. Additionally, a bounty was announced for anyone assisting in his capture. Guru Gobind Singh spent the entire day and night within the same forest, and was able to traverse only seven to eight miles because of the thickness of the growth along the path. Towards the end of the next day, the village of Machiwara was visible. Outside the village was a large grove, and the Guru picked a spot there to rest and wait for his three companions, who were also following the same path as himself. The three Sikhs accompanying the Guru, Pai Daya Singh, Pai Taram Singh, and Pai Man Singh, had managed to find each other along the way, and were traveling together. While looking for Guru Gobind Singh, they too entered the same grove. The grove belonged to Gulabe Kshatriya, who used to be a Masand, but had now decided to make a living growing fruit. One of Gulabe's relatives worked the grove and had seen the Guru sleeping in it. When he saw Bhai Singh, he mentioned to him that one of his companions was sleeping in the grove 
and gave them the Guru's location. In this way, the three were reunited with Guru Gobind Singh. Nabi Khan and Gani Khan were two Pakhtun horse traders who also lived in Machiwara. They had previously sold several horses to the Guru and held him in high esteem due to his noble way of living. They too found their way to the grove. Gulabi was also informed of the Guru's presence. He prepared some prasad and came to the grove. After eating, the entire group had a discussion. The decision was made that Gulabi would shelter the Guru and his Sikhs in his home. However, it wasn't long before the Nazim's search party had made their way to Machiwara in search of the Guru. At the time, several Muslim peers used to roam the villages of Punjab and Sindh in order to meet their followers. These peers and their followers were typically dressed in blue and kept beards. However, they did not keep the jura or top knot of the six and instead let their hair flow out towards the back of their turban. The peer was typically carried by his dedicated followers from village to village. There was an especially large number of peers who resided in the town of Uch. Gulabe held a discussion with the three Sikhs and the Guru. A decision was made to acquire blue vestments and disguise the Guru as a Muslim peer. They placed the Guru on a palanquin, which was carried by Nabi Khan, Gani Khan, by Dharam Singh and by Man Singh. Bhai Daya Singh travelled alongside them with the feather of a peacock. Since Nabi and Ghani Khan were well known in Machiwara, they were able to successfully convince the people that the Guru really was a Muslim peer, and they made their way out of the village undetected. Morinda 11 miles northeast of Sirhind. After the fifth battle of Anandpur, covered in episode 13, the two younger sons of the Guru had been separated from their father. They had been taken into the care of Gangaram. Gangaram took them to his village Khedi, which was near the city of Morinda. Gangaram had heard of the Nazim's reward for the capture of the Guru's family. His faith began to waver. Motivated both by the fear of being caught and the prospect of reward, he decided to turn informer. He sent a message to Sirhind, letting them know that he had the Guru's younger sons and Mata Gujriji. Soon after, the Mughal forces arrived and captured Mata Gujriji and the two younger sons of the Guru, Zorawar Singh and Fateh Singh. The children were kept in a tower in the fort of Sirhind. Wazir Khan told the two children of Guru Gobind Singh to convert to Islam or face their death. However, despite their tender age, the children refused without a moment of hesitation or fear. Already enraged by the losses he had taken in Anandpur and Shamkor, Wazir Khan flew into a rage and ordered that the children be killed. 
The Nawab of Malir Kotla, Muhammad Khan, was present with Wazir Khan at the time. He attempted to reason with Wazir Khan and advised him against this evil deed. However, Wazir Khan did not relent and ordered the children to be bricked alive. On the 27th of December, the sentence was carried out. When the children were unconscious from the lack of oxygen, they were extracted and then beheaded. When poor Mata Gujriji heard the news, she collapsed in shock and fell from the tower in which she was being held. She too joined her grandchildren in death. In this way, Guru Gobind Singh lost his mother and his two remaining sons. Two sons of Baba Pulji, Rama and Trilok, were present in Sirhind to file their taxes. They were able to retrieve the bodies of the Guru's mother and her children and perform their Antim Sanskar. Today, Gurdwara Jyoti Sarup marks the place where the funeral pyre lay on that dark day.